when they said unto me, come let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, come let us go to the house of the Lord. I'm going to sing it one more time for y'all. Sing it with me. Say, I was glad. I was glad when they said unto me, Come, let us go into the house of the Lord. Oh, I was glad. I was glad when they said unto me, Come, let us go into the house of the Lord. All right, all right. I want y'all to sing it one more time for me.
As we continue our look at the events that took place in the upper room, in this worship experience, we want to focus on companionship. Companionship. One of the recurring themes in John's gospel account is that of unity. Jesus' unity with the Father and our unity with God through him. John opens his gospel talking about Jesus' unity with the Godhead. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. When Jesus spoke with Nicodemus, he highlighted his unity with the Father. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Throughout John, Jesus makes a point of emphasizing that he is the bridge that unites us with our creator. And as we focus again on the words of Jesus from the upper room, again, we see that emphasis on unity. To all of the disciples, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In response to Thomas' request, to be shown the way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In response to Philip's desire to see the Father, Jesus says, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. For I and the Father are one. But Jesus' unity with the Father was not the only thing on his mind. He also wanted us to experience unity with each other. We observed a few Sundays ago that while he was in the upper room, Jesus urged his disciples with these words, As I have loved you, so should you love one another. And when we put those two things together, Christ's unity with the Father and Christ's desire for us to be united with each other, then we come to see that unity is the hallmark of our Christian discipleship. As we approach another Resurrection Sunday, our desire should be what Christ desired for us, and that is unity. When I was a boy in this church, I used to hear the Reverend Governor Thomas pray, Lord, give us a heart 
that runs, a love that runs from heart to heart and from breast to breast. Give us a love that lets us feel one another's cares. Give us a love so strong that one can't fall for the other. But it seems today that unity is lacking in the church. We're not concerned enough to be unified. We're not concerned enough to visit the sick. We're not concerned enough to feed the hungry and clothe the naked. We're not concerned enough to help somebody pay their bills and keep a roof over their head. We're not concerned enough to try to teach somebody about Jesus and the plan of salvation. There ain't much money in that. There's not much worldly glorification in that. But, but for those who have a personal relationship with Jesus, there's nothing more important than helping somebody get to know that Jesus loves them. And when we're willing to put some work into our concern, when, when we're willing to put some action behind our words, that's when we are uniting with people. That's when we are loving people as Christ loved us. Well, if Christ's desire is for us to have unity with the Father and unity with each other, then he has to make provision for that unity to have any hope of reality. One thing history has taught us is that unity can't be wrought by us alone. We're too selfish and self-absorbed for that to ever happen. But, but unity is possible when we learn the value of the companionship of the Holy Spirit. And that companionship is highlighted by Jesus in no less than five places in this upper room discourse known as the paraclete sayings. Jesus taught his disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit and what it would mean. And in so doing, he emphasizes God's companionship with us. So what does this companionship look like? First, it assures us of God's presence. In John 14 and 16, Jesus says, I'll talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. It reminds us that the coming of the Holy Spirit affirms the eternal presence of Christ within the hearts of believers. And that tells me that I am never alone. His promise is that he will be with me always. Shiloh, Jesus wants more than just our worship. He wants authority in our lives through the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus desires that we have a deeper experience with him. He yearns for us to let the spirit of Christ reign in our hearts. He wants to have more than just a surface relationship. But he wants for us to have an ever-deepening relationship. That's what presence is all about. You know, in our houses, most of us have rooms where we allow people to roam. And, and then we have rooms that are private. We have rooms where we close the door and we don't want nobody else in there. But, but Jesus doesn't just want to be God in your living room. He wants to be God in your bedroom. He wants to be the God who rearranges the bookshelf of your life. He wants to clean up the mess that you have made in your life. He wants to fix it for you. The hymn writer put it this way. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I'm waiting yielded and still. The, the, the companionship of the Spirit assures us of God's presence. And then after presence, the companionship of the Spirit means that we will receive his instruction. In John 14 and 26, Jesus says, the friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things I have told you. And that tells us that the role of the Holy Spirit is to keep Jesus' teaching ever before us. Jesus is the complete revelation of God's love to us. But in order for us to benefit from that revelation, then we have to keep his teaching ever before us. And we have to work to apply it in our daily living. You know, one of the problems with discipleship today is not that teaching doesn't take place, but that many of us are not teachable. We're not open to being taught by the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that not everybody learns the same way. Some of us are linear learners. We desire a directed, controlled, guided, and detailed study program. Some of us are cyclical learners. We have to hear the same message over and over and over Again, some of us are flexible learners where it's less about repetition and more about timeliness and environment. Some of us are creative learners. We don't grab hold to the principle until we can connect it to something that's going on with us personally. But the thing that I love about the Holy Spirit is that whatever kind of teaching you need, he's able to deliver. For the linear learner, Jesus says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall 
find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. For the cyclical learner, the hymn writer gives this testimony over continuously. Can't you see he's blessing me right now? For the flexible learner, the psalmist offers this assurance. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. For the creative learner, Paul offers this testimony. I've learned in whatsoever state I am. Therewith to be content. I've had little and I've had a lot. I've been full and, and I've been hungry, but because I have the Holy Spirit, I know that I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Doesn't matter what kind of learner you are. When you have the companionship of the Holy Spirit, he will teach you. And then more than teach you when, when you have the paraclete's companionship, we will receive enablement. In John 15 and 26, Jesus says that when the friend comes, he will confirm everything about me so that you too will be able to give your confirming evidence. In other words, the Holy Spirit is our enabler. If we've had a personal experience with the Lord, then we ought to be eager to share that with somebody along the way. Enablement means that there's an opportunity to give a testimony. And in order to give a testimony, you have to be a witness. And in order to be a witness, something has to have happened to you. I'm glad about what has happened to other folk. I'm glad about what's happened in your life. But I can't tell your testimony. But I can tell my testimony. I can tell that he picked me up and that he turned me around. I can tell that he planted my feet on a solid foundation. And it's the presence of the Holy Spirit that enables me to give my testimony. And then in John 16 and eight, Jesus says that the companionship of the Holy Spirit means vindication. When he comes, he'll expose the error of the godless world's view of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He'll show them that their refusal to believe in me is the root of their sin. Church, the Holy Spirit doesn't just vindicate Jesus, but he vindicates all of us who believe in who he is and what he has done. Despite the systems that unjustly persecuted him, 
despite the systems that failed him and oppressed him. The presence of the Holy Spirit is proof of Christ's vindication. After his resurrection, Peter would say on the day of Pentecost, Jesus was pinned to a cross by evil men and he was killed. But God untied the death ropes and that's vindication. Vindication allows us to live and move in the promise of but God. I don't know about you, but I've got some but gods in my life. I was down and it didn't look like I would ever get back up again. But God reached out to me and lifted me up and made me all over again. I had enemies that did everything they could to destroy me. And it looked like I was never going to recover. But God reached out and made my enemies behave. But God made them run and hide. But God dried the tears from my weeping eyes. I'm so glad that I've got some but God testimony in my life. Well, there's one final thing I need to tell you about the Holy Spirit. His companionship means glorification. When the spirit of truth comes, he will honor me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. That says that the spirit will glorify the son and make his truth the anchor for our lives. I'm closing today, Shiloh, but I just want to let you know that I love the Holy Spirit because he teaches me how to honor my Savior. I love the Holy Spirit because he helps me to know that honoring Jesus means staying on the right course. I love the Holy Spirit because he enables me to honor my Savior by lifting me out of self and filling me with supernatural power. You see, I can't do nothing on my own, but I'm so glad I'm not by myself. I have supernatural power. I have supernatural love. I have supernatural peace. I have supernatural joy. I have supernatural contentment. I have 
supernatural service. I have supernatural commitment. I have supernatural power from the Holy Spirit. And my prayer every day is spirit of the living God. Fall fresh on me. Mold me. Break me. Fill me. Spirit. 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 Spirit of the living God. Fall fresh. Fall fresh. Fall fresh on me. He's able, 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 able. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spirit, spirit, spirit. Fall fresh. hungry and he fed you you ever been thirsty and he gave you water you ever been broke and he paid your bills you ever been on the outside and he brought you back in Good morning, Shiloh. Good morning. All right, it's a wonderful day to praise the Lord. 